Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and on this podcast, I will be speaking to inspirational individuals who specialize in the field of physical and mental health to offer you the tools that you need to become a stronger, healthier, and more confident man in today's world. Hello and welcome to episode number 53 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today we have quite a change in topic to what we usually speak about. Today's topic is going to be related to money and financial matters to help you gain control over that and perhaps live financially free, potentially, in the future. And I have a very special guest with us today, Aaron Sky Kelly. And Aaron is a multiple award-winning and best-selling author. And the reason I have her on this podcast is because she has just written her book and published her book, go and check it out, called Get the Hell Out of Debt. Aaron, right. how are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, I, I came across your, your Instagram page some time ago and I think it was through uh, Trevor Bohm, who I'd have in the, had in the podcast some time ago. And yeah. yeah, basically, I was had a great conversation with Trevor. And then I said, okay, who does Trevor follow? What is he like? And I find like-minded people like yourself, true other like-minded people like myself. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, brilliant to have uh, come across you and did notice then that you just read, read a book about getting the hell out of death and money matters, which I think is a relevant topic at any point of anyone's life, especially maybe today with all that's happening, with the crisis here and crisis there. So the first question perhaps, and maybe I've answered that for you, is why did you feel it was important to write a book about money at this point or getting the hell out of debt at this point? Well, I have always been known as the girl who racked up of crap ton of debt and struggle to get out of it. Right. It was like, um, I was, I thought I was doing everything right. And I woke up one day and decided just to add everything up because I was, you know, that stress of paycheck to paycheck and you're waiting for a paycheck to drop so that you can pay people what you owe them. And just the stress of all of that. So I added up all of my debt one day and I was $2.1 million in debt. And I was like, Oh no. Like I didn't even know that's how bad it was because I thought I was just managing these monthly payments. And so when I added it up, I like literally was shocked at my situation and then panicked about like, I absolutely have to get out of this. So I did that process and I marked it down and charted it the whole time that I was going through it. And what happened was other financial experts were coming to me secretly for help. They were like, listen, I'm an accountant and I am also in a ton of debt. I'm a financial planner. I'm in a ton of debt. I'm a real estate agent. And all these people who we consider to be experts were struggling with the same concept, like this idea of these monthly payments being the way to manage your money. And yet it was overwhelming for everybody. So I've been helping those people for a long period of time, but then the pandemic hit and within a couple of weeks of everything being shut down, I was bombarded with people who were panicked and just like, like losing their jobs and unsure how to meet their obligations. And so I thought, well, since we're closed down anyway, the best thing I could do is sit down and write this dang book. So that's kind of how it came to be. And I, I wrote it and published it and have just been so grateful for the response to it. 
Um, but it, like you say, it really is one of those things that needs to be talked about because I feel like carrying debt, it's kind of twofold. The banks make us believe that it's necessary and important, but the humans that have it feel so much shame about the amount of debt that they carry or the lack of financial awareness that they have. And so we have to figure out a way to sort of be able to manage our money, but also manage the shame that might come from having made mistakes. Mm -hmm. And those mistakes most likely being made on an emotional level as well, which I can relate to. So (laughs) a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. So buying all the, all the fancy stuff without, understand the consequences of your spending in the long term. Yes. Okay. But tell me a story about that though. Cause I'm always so fascinated because I was the same money is very emotional. We treat it like it's a math problem, but it's always very emotional. Give me an idea of like something fun that you spent money on that later on you were like, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> College. <laughs> <laughs> Drink alcohol. Um, yeah. So yeah, there, there's a ton of stuff, but I think it's, it was more a matter of, buying things without taking a step back and understanding okay if i buy this today can i will i be able to pay that bill that comes in next week or in two weeks time so not not keeping track of my bills and therefore not having the money to pay for the bills when they come in and me obviously that's increasing stress then because again you're, you're falling into debt you're running behind on your bills and you're and uh trying to catch up so, and then ultimately for me, you're living on scarcity for a period of time. You're trying to gather all the money to pay this bill. And when you pay that bill, then another bill comes in. You're going, oh shit, now I've got to, you know, buy money somewhere else. And I would have maybe a savings fund, you know, for something for the future. But of course, mm-hmm. as I was spending all my other income, I'd have to then rely on my savings funds to simply pay the bills. So for me, it was spending without any, just a complete mismanagement of my finances and by buying an impulse, which as I said, a lot of people I'm sure can relate to. And I, I came across someone a few years ago who gave me a very useful tip when it came to that is if you go to a shop and you see something that you really like, you really want to buy it, leave it, walk away, go away for 20 minutes, half an hour. And if you really want it, you'll go back and get it again. So it sort Mm -hmm. of removes you from the environment and therefore it gives you time to sort of logically process the the purchase, whether this is going to be feasible, whether you really want it or whether you really need it or whether you just want it and do you really need it. So over time, I, I question almost every purchase and that's only over the last five or six years, I've really been able to gain much better control over my finances and actually have money for the first time in my life. That's I'm 37 now. So for 30 years of my life, that was, that was my approach to money and spending, which as I said, caused a lot of problems. So well, I think that's very common. I think what, like what you're talking about exactly is the way most of us end up in, in debt or, or struggle financially, even people who don't have debt, but yet they're not building wealth. It's the same principle that's happening, right? It's very much this, like, I need this right now. I'm going to get it right now. I'll worry about it later. Or we assume that 
tomorrow, like I'll pay for this tomorrow or pay for this later. But we forget that tomorrow is also going to have its own set of problems. And tomorrow is also going to come with the same problems we have today. So we're just kicking the can further down the road instead of actually sort of taking control of our finances. And so it is a very common thing and it is absolutely dictated by emotions, but the banks know this and the advertisers know this, right? They, everybody knows like, oh, I'm going to make Gavin think he has a problem that I can solve if he acts right now. And then, you know, we have him on the hook for the payment. So we're getting paid today. Gavin can worry about it later. And it causes all kinds of, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stress. There's a formula that we use that we teach in the get that we, so I've got the book, but it, the book is based on the online course that I've been teaching for a long time. And in the course, we have this framework that we use to really help people understand how their behaviors are dictating their lives. And this framework can be used for not only like money, but some of the other things that you teach as well, like fitness and well-being, mental health, like emotional health, relationships with other people. And it's called the four classes of experiences. And it's basically where you take everything that you do in a week or a month and you divide them into four classes. So class four experiences are things that don't feel good and they're not good for me. And so we all have things like that, that we do, even though we know we ought not to do them or whatever, right? We all have those kind of like, when we feel bad about ourselves, we make terrible choices, right? Then class three experiences, these are things that feel good, but they're not good for me. So those are things like, if you're numbing with alcohol, for example, in the moment, it feels really good. If you're like going to town and watching porn all night, right? Feels really great in the moment, but maybe not good for you, right? There's all kinds of things that we do when we tell ourselves we're going to go have a salad and instead we fall face first into a pint of ice cream, right? Definitely a class three experience. And then we get into class two and class one experiences and class two experiences. These are things that they might not feel good, but they're good for me. So it's things like going for a run. Like it might not feel good in the moment, but it is really good for us, right? Having that salad, um, having a protein shake in the morning, if that's what you've committed to, right? Like having difficult conversations with people, that's a class two experience, um, all kinds of things, right? Anything that's sort of like, oh, I know that this is in my best interest, but I'm probably going to talk myself out of it later. Like that's a class two experience and a class one experience. That's things that feel good and are good for me. So when we can sort of like look at our lives or even our finances and go, okay, where am I spending the majority of my time? We find that most of us are spending our financial lives in class three and class four experiences. We're doing things that feel good right now, but they might not be good for us long-term. That's why we're not building wealth. That's why we're not doing those things. And what we have like right in the middle of all of those things is our line of integrity. That's our personal line where we say to ourselves things like, Hey, I'm going to go for a run today at four o'clock. And then, you know, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and you're like, I don't really feel like going for a run. So maybe I'll just go for a walk. And then it's 3.45 PM and your mates say, let's go to the pub. And you're like, okay, I'll walk there instead of going for it. Right. We justify and we change from doing the thing that we said we were going to do into the thing that feels good. And we cross that line of integrity. And that line of integrity is right between class two experiences and class three experiences. It's the things that we do where we just tip over into the default of things that feel good, even though it's only short-term. And that's where self-sabotage happens. That's why we're doing the things that we're doing. So we often know we should be doing something different, but we don't. And that's because we're 
were like spending too much time there. And in order to shift that financially or physically or emotionally or relationally, in order to make any shift, we have to commit to spending more time in class too. So for example, you are a very fit person, you know how fitness works, right? Um, class two experiences when you're starting out on a fitness journey, everything is a class two experience, right? You're like, oh my gosh, like if you've been on the couch for the last two years in the pandemic and you go to run five kilometers, like you're going to feel like you're going to die, right? But if you live, you spend the majority of your time there in class two experiences for three, four months, what you're going to find is eventually it becomes a class one experience. That's how we improve our lives. So I have a brother that's an Ironman. I don't know how many times over six or seven times over. And his warm up is a 5k. So five kilometers for him isn't a class two experience anymore. It's a class one experience. And so that's how we sort of build competency. So what happens financially for um, people, you know, you're, you're graduating college or you're maybe not, they give you a credit card usually when you're in college, right? They know that they want to get you as early as possible. What happens is they're banking on you choosing a class three experience. You don't have the awareness yet. You don't have the financial literacy yet. You don't have anything to go, wait a second. This is not in my best interest right now. So they know that by handing you that credit card, they're unlocking a class three life for you, which keeps you indebted to them and how they earn their profits. So you did everything right. You were living your life. You were like, you wanted to feel good. You just didn't know yet that the way to actually feel good financially long-term was to not touch that debt. It was to, it was to make a, like have a bigger, more compelling goal that would push you through those class two experiences and then make you feel good by achieving that, by getting better and better at building wealth all the time, right? You start to gain that momentum, just like by running five kilometers over and over and over again, you start to feel like, wow, you're not even winded at kilometer six anymore, right? So you just didn't know that, but the banks did. And so they snared you right in, Gavin. They just snared you right in. And like, and they do that to every man and woman. Yeah. Yeah. I was given a credit card when I was in college. It was not a good idea. Yeah. And racked up a couple of thousand euro in debt when I didn't even have a job. So yeah, that was a, yeah. That, was, that was a great start. Um, so yeah, yeah, plenty of lessons. And I actually haven't, uh, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing when it comes to finances, but I actually haven't had a credit card ever since. Once I paid that bill off, once I paid that debt, it's like, no, nah, no more credit cards. You were done with it. Yeah. It was, and I think that's a great choice. Yeah. It's, it's the feeling of being in debt. It's, as I said, it's that, stress and the level of scarcity that it brings um the fact that you've yeah you, for me feeling free or having freedom is is my number one priority in life so mm. if i have mm. debt then i'm not completely free i'm tied to the bank in terms yes. of yes I, I owe them so i can't i don't i'm not yeah. free in that sense so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and some people, for some people, a credit card's no big deal. Like they can, you know, they can manage a credit card just fine. I'm like you, I was like, this is dangerous. And in fact, I got rid of my credit cards for a season in my life. And then, um, after a long while, after I'd, you know, done really well, I thought I should just get one to start building my credit. I fell right back into the hole. I fell right back in the cycle. So I get this credit card. Let me see if I still have it here. I used to save it. I think I do. Yeah. So I order a credit card and it comes in the mail and the CVV code on the back, you know, like the three digits 
it was 666. And I was like, <laughs> forget it. Credit cards are the devil. I'm done. I'm out. I'm not doing it again. It's a sign. So I felt like that was a sign from the universe. Yeah. That was like, don't do this. Cut it up. Yeah. Then yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So in terms of, of the book, in terms of the course, what are the biggest sort of struggles that you touch on, on the book or in the course for those who haven't obviously um, got the book yet or know about the course, what are some of the biggest struggles that you, you help people deal with? Is it, is it, is it getting down to the, to the source of the issue here, which could be an emotional struggle that they're having in their own lives. And they need to sort of handle that first before they start to be able to handle their money and finances, or is that too simplistic or am I missing something there? No, I think you're bang on. I think you could teach this course because I, I I think you've lived it. I think you've had a similar journey to me. And we, we've divided everything up into three phases. So the phase one is basic financial literacy. It's the things that you wish you would have learned when you were younger. It's not math necessarily. It's how money works. It's how, it's not only how money itself, like, um, multiplies and stuff like that, but it's how you relate to money. You figure out your own, because how you relate to money and how I relate to money and how Fred relates to money and how Michelle relates to money, they're going to be very different. We're going to have very different experiences of money based on our own money stories, meaning based on the meaning we associated with money when we were a child. We all had an encounter with money when we were kids. We made it mean something. Maybe we had parents that fought about money. Maybe we were denied something at some point. Maybe we, nobody showed up to our birthday party. Like all of those things affect our relationship to money. So we relate to money differently. So phase one is really about understanding basics, like how to budget, not how to like make your life fit a budget, but how to make a budget fit your life, right? How to um, identify your net worth and how to make it grow every week and how to like track it and make that fun. I really do believe money should be fun. Otherwise, like what the heck's the point? Because it can be a very dry topic if you're not careful, right? And so it's sort of like getting those basic building blocks of mastery and like the competence that you'll gain in that phase one really does increase your confidence with money. And then phase two, if you have consumer debt is all about paying off debt. And we teach you four different methods. And again, you pick the one that works for you and you get about the business of paying off your debt. And if you don't have any consumer debt, but you're ready to build wealth, you skip right over to phase three, or when you've graduated phase two, you go right over to phase three, which is the wealth building phase. And you do everything that you were doing in phases one and two, except for this time you're building wealth. And the whole point is that all you need to do every month is make your budget or your cash flow plan or whatever. All it has to do is increase your net worth. So you can do that by having it decrease your liabilities or the debt that you owe, or increasing your assets or both. And so we just basically, we have everything divided as into red and green and you make the red get smaller and the green get bigger. And that's essentially how you build wealth. And we've just seen it over and over and over again, be extremely successful for people because it really helps them understand how they can make money to help them with their purpose. Right. I just did a podcast with a a gal named Alyssa who graduated the program and she paid off $206,000 in a couple of years and, and not on a very high income either. She just really buckled. She had a few bumps in the beginning, made a few mistakes and then just thought, forget it. I'm just going to commit. And she buckled down and did it. But what was interesting, I give this challenge in the middle of the program called the $10 challenge. And you have to take $10 and turn it into a hundred. 
And everybody thinks, oh, who cares? Like what a simple thing, but what it does neurologically for you. And when you get into the like specifics of the program, what it does is it makes you see opportunity. And now you can figure out if you have a $50,000 a year salary, you're figuring out by that $10 challenge, how to turn $50,000 into a hundred thousand dollars, right? It's unlocking that same thinking. And so she, for her, she thought, oh, I don't even want to do this challenge. So she waited to the last minute and she's like, oh, I guess I should just do it. She's like, what am I good at? She's like, I'm a decent writer. So she thought, I'm just going to post on Facebook. She had this little Facebook live. She jokes now that it was like terrible, but I, I watched it. It was really great. She was like, basically like, Hey, I have to do this thing and, uh, I'm going to write. So if you need any writing, like for advertisement or copy or ghostwriting or whatever. So she had a couple people message her and she started turning it into this income and she's so good at writing and it's so easy for her. And it had nothing to do with what she was doing with her life, how she was spending her 40 hours a week earning her job. Well, she got completely out of debt, quits her job. And now she's a full-time writer making more than what she was making before in her career and, and was able to do that simply because she started to change her relationship with money. So now her finances are supporting her living her life's purpose. She's not in a job she hates. She's not miserable. I mean, she had great coworkers. It wasn't like she had a terrible job situation, but many of us are in jobs that we hate or working with coworkers we don't like or feeling the grind of, you know, and, and there's a financial cost of that because when we have a lot of debt, it's so difficult to leave a job you don't like. It's difficult to leave a relationship you don't like, right? It's that freedom that you talk about. You lose that freedom of choice when you have a lot of debt. And so sometimes like the simple act of just changing the way you relate to money and how you allow it in your life can change everything about your life. And so that's really what the course is about. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. The The challenge seems to also unlock something within, I know you, you're talking about one client here, but I'm sure you've seen this throughout the course mm-hmm. and unlock something within them where before she was sort of held back by her own self-limiting beliefs that maybe she wasn't, so that she felt she wasn't such a good writer or couldn't turn this into business or nobody would be interested. But yeah. by imposing the challenge, you almost initiate the the belief and it's it's almost like a roundabout way in, of encouraging her to ask some questions of herself and to maybe dig a bit deeper within herself to yeah. find, okay, what is it that I'm potentially good at that I could potentially make some money out of? And yeah, then it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a snowball effect, which I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can, can relate to, uh, maybe yourself yeah. even. When for me, started off with, I was made redundant and started personal training people in random gyms, trespassing gyms in town to <laughs> just uh, to train these people until I was until I was kicked out of them. So, sort of, uh, sort of, uh, uh, apologize later. Sort of a yeah. process. Just don't ask. Get in there, and if you're not asking any questions, keep doing what you're doing until you're kicked out. But anyway, started off with one client who's my who was a good friend of mine, and. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. Then from that one client came the second one and third one. And then, then I started to believe that, okay, hang on a second. Maybe I can make something out of this because when I started off first, it was, uh, this is just a little side number while I'm doing my new course in college. I went back to college at the time and I was 
doing a course course in social care. And that was like the long-term goal, get my degree there, move on my life. But then as a, as some income on the side, because I had a, a daughter at the time and had her to support and had a lot going on. I kept that going, but as I said, it unlocked something within me, this sort of belief that, okay, maybe I can do something here. And, and again, I started off charging people with, with, you know, 15 euro a session and what? yeah, yeah. 15 yeah. euro for a training session. And now I'm like, it's, it's a, it's a six figure business. So all from that first client for 15 euro. And as I said, it's just the momentum built from there. So, and yeah, yeah. it's, uh, but of course, with done all that too, I had my own struggles and debt was always an issue. And it's only, as I said, in the last five or six years, I've just been able to gain a grip on that. And mm-hmm. for me, and you probably would see this from a lot of the people you work with, it's if you don't feel good in yourself or happy in yourself you're going to spend money on external stuff to help you feel better about yourself and that was basically my whole journey from childhood mm-hmm. to 30 years of age and money enabled that which ultimately yeah. disabled my progress in terms of understanding that happiness and whatever you're looking for outside with all this money is is not found in money or these external possessions it's found within so that was the process yeah. of getting a handle on my emotions, managing that better, understanding and becoming aware of my own attitude to money and life and people and difficulties and challenges. And yeah, money management just came as part of that process because I had a better management of my emotions. So is there for the course and the book, is there like that psychological aspect in terms of helping people understand, okay, this is why you may be in debt, or this is why you may be spending so much money on these external things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the sort of process you take there. Well, and I, so you bring up such a good point because like you were talking about, had you not been aware or fixed that fix is not a great word. Cause you were never broken, but you, you know, sort of dealt with that you would have kept living out that pattern unconsciously forever in one form or another. And so you see that sometimes like, and we talk about that a ton in the course where it's like, it's in the book too, but it's like, I don't get to work with you one-on-one with the book. You just have to read the words and kind of figure it out yourself. But, you know, we will, we'll really analyze the situation and like what's going on here in terms of this spending, where did it come from? And when you pay attention to where it came from, you're like, okay, how else are you living this out? And sometimes you can't always see it with your money, but you can see it in, how you relate to people in the workplace. Like if it's a worthiness issue, for example, right? Like some people really struggle to receive. Maybe they grew up in an environment where they felt like they didn't belong, like they, they weren't deserving. Um, maybe they had a parent that didn't pay attention or whatever, right? And so what happens is then as soon as money hits their bank account, they immediately want to give it away because they don't feel worthy. So they'll give it away by um, paying off bills right away before they pay themselves or take care of their own groceries or their own family, for example. Right. Or they'll give it to, they give large amounts of money to charity, even though they don't have any money themselves, they will unconsciously sabotage their ability to receive because they don't feel deserving. And so then with money, it's harder to see sometimes, right. Especially if you're struggling, because you're just so worried about getting food on the table and 
making ends meet. But then if you can go, okay, in what other areas of your life is unworthiness showing up? And they're like, oh yeah, I sabotage every relationship I have, or I sleep around and I don't let people get close to me into like when they can see it as a holistic issue, then we can go, let's deal with it. It's root. And we'll know how well we're healing based on the result. The money shows up, like how the money shows up later. So, because the money doesn't lie, the numbers don't lie. They tell the whole story. So if, if our finances are improving and we're working on this money issue or this healing or the worthiness issue, if we're working on that and we're healing that and every week we're updating our net worth and we're paying attention to our spending and we're starting to see our net worth grow rapidly, we are dealing, it tells us we're dealing with this, right? If we're, if we've identified this and we're working on this and it's not getting anywhere, either that tells us we need more, we have to do a little more work around this issue, right? We've got to create some boundaries with family members or friends or ex exes or Tinder or whatever we have to create some, right. We've got to work on this a little bit more, and then it will also start to show up in the numbers. And so it really allows us to not only just gain control of the money, but really understand like, this is me as a human and how I relate to things. If I want to increase my overall abundance, like my general happiness, my joy, my whatever, it can't just be about, I got to pay off my credit card and build some money. It's got to be related to the thing deep down. Like what is the reason for all of this? And when we can, when we can give it a empowering meaning. So like, let's say somebody had a worthiness issue and they felt unworthy and they went through all that and they made a lot of mistakes and debt and relationships that are hurting and maybe not taking care of their body because they just don't feel worthy or whatever. And we, and we start working on that. We deal with that worthiness issue and things start to improve. What often happens is then we go. Now, how do I take these feelings? I'm working on them. I'm aware of them. I'm creating the framework for my life that I need to create, but now let's give it an empowering meaning. And maybe that means I will forever make everybody that I come in contact with feel seen and heard and valued. And we make a purpose out of it. And now we go, okay, well, I can live out that purpose in my workplace. I can live it out when I'm in the Sainsbury grocery store lineup, right? I can live out that purpose at the bus stop. I can live it out at the pub. And now what's happening is now I'm taking that former pain or that former trouble. I'm healing it in myself, but I'm also paying it forward. It doesn't mean you have to change anybody's life or because again, you're not responsible for anybody else's happiness, but it now allows you to show up in a state of abundance all the time in spite of what's happening. And that rapidly accelerates your financial progress, your physical progress, your relationships that you're in. Like imagine showing up to your relationships, always making your partner or your spouse feel seen and heard and loved, right? It changes the fabric of the relationship. And so everything gets better. So yes, there's a psych psychological component, of course, but it really isn't just about the money. It's about understanding like how you relate to money, but also how it's affecting like holistically all the other areas of your life as well. Yeah. Because you may not be only in debt and money. You could be in debt and love and relationships and your career and happy. Yeah. So yeah. it's about getting a, getting the hell out of debt in your whole life and you know, isn't it? So yeah. 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 That's, that's certainly strikes a chord with me in terms of the, unworthiness that again i would have felt that and that was most likely a source of my emotional turmoil when it came to me and and money of course was a, a byproduct of that and of course 
as the money was scarce, it was an indication that love for myself was also scarce and relationship was scarce. Other things were, were also failing. So yeah, that's when I had to step back in the situation and start to ask some serious questions of myself. And that's, that was the process where things started to change and reaching out, asking for help and journaling and bringing in the proper routine to my life where I had some time for myself to ask myself the necessary questions to raise my level of awareness in terms of the decisions and choices I'm making on a daily basis with everything. So, but it all starts and ends with, with me, with you. So. Yeah. And you brought up such a good point at the beginning of this podcast, when you were, um, you were, you were saying um, that you found me through another friend, Traver. And what was cool about that is I listened to you do something that's very, very powerful that not enough people do intentionally, which is, I really like this person. I like how they live. Who are they hanging out with? And like, we don't often paint, like you did something really beautiful there. I hope that your listeners caught it because what you're saying is I'm leveling up my life. Who else is leveling up their life? And who do I want to be in my peer group? Because that also will help you with those same issues. If you're hanging out, like you can do all the worthiness work you want, but if you're hanging out with other people who feel unworthy all the time or who, or who aren't working on that, you're going to get sucked down. I'd like to say that with a positive mindset, you can make everybody around you positive, but it doesn't work that way at all. Right. And so anyone who's been on a self-development journey has had to go through that process of cutting out certain people in their lives that are not willing to go that same direction. It's, it can be for me, it it has been a lonely road for, for quite some time and it can be. And, uh, but over time, of course, you start to come across people who are on the same mission as you and, whenever you're changing your, your own psyche, you're, you're happier in yourself. You're not going around feeling negative or feeling down. You start to attract similar people into your life. There is something there where whatever energy or whatever frequency you're at, you're going to attract similar people who are on that same level as you. You know, when you just said um, it's been a lonely road at times, I think that that's important to bring up because it is going to be lonely. When you decide you're going to get out of debt, it's going to be lonely because you're going to have to say no to things that seem fun that other people are doing, or you're going to have to like, and, and there's always the stage. So like, if you've been hanging around your current peer group and they're maybe in a lot of debt or they're not great with money and you're like, I really feel passionate about this. I really want to free myself financially the space between where you are right now and the new peer group, there's this area called the void. It's like, it's, it's like a, it's almost like a test. I don't know. I've no, I'm not a very woo woo person, but like test from the universe. That's like, are you going to go back to the old ways? Cause it's comfortable and what you know, or are you willing to be uncomfortable here in this lonely void until the next peer group calls you in? And for many people, they start, they, they kind of make a change, but then they get lonely or they, they get uncomfortable and they, because they want comfort. The interesting thing is like that void piece is the make or break for most people there. It's I'm lonely. I'm scared. I don't know where to go. And rather than keep pressing forward and keep going for the thing I want, I'm just going to, it's going to be easier just to fall back into the old patterns and feel like I've got learned helplessness and off we go. And so it's so cool how you said like, oh, I was lonely for a while. Cause I was like, oh, that was your void. Like that was, but then look at you now, right? Like you're, you've amazing friends now. You've amazing business. You have an amazing life. It's also understanding that of course there's still the challenges there, but it's having gone through that process that I've 
it's enabled me to build the strategies and the tools that are acquired to be able to deal with those challenges and struggles now. Of course, there's challenges, perhaps more challenges than today than I would have had five years ago. But I'm yeah. better equipped to deal with it now because I have that level of self-awareness and because I've got that self-care routine, I'm able to manage my emotions. We'll deal with this, yeah. you know? And uh, yeah. so, and of course, that's the other thing too, in that loneliness and in that void, that's when your previous peer group will also start to step in and say, hey, what are you doing? Come come back here, come with us. So it's not only that, yeah, you're lonely there, but you're also going to have the temptations of going back there and they're, yeah. they're going to come back. So yeah, that's difficult and it has been yeah. difficult, but you have to be really committed to yourself in this process and understand that, okay, back then when I was hanging out with you guys, you know, it's nothing to do with them. Just I wasn't happy there. I was a different person there, and it's, it wasn't a good place for me. So I need to take this time. I need to actually step into this void and have this time and space to just hone in and focus on me, and and then I'll be able to transfer on to the the next level or whatever it is to to enter the next peer group. But I've, I've, that void is also necessary for the space and time to heal yourself. So yeah. If, yeah. you're in, if, if you're in there feeling courage, like that's a massive opportunity that, that you have right now. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it does get easier, but again, it's, you've really got to be committed to, to yourself in this process. And that's the other thing. Yeah. Life may be amazing now, but, or it's certainly better now, but it's better now because I'm better now because I've done yeah. that. So nothing's yeah. really, nothing's really changed on the, outside as such life is still life business is good family's good money's good whatever but that none of that really matters unless i'm good so yeah that's again you're so wise you're like a like a yoda (laughs) (laughs) yeah starting to look like him now as well as i'm getting (laughs) yeah it's uh well, it's again, I've been through a lot in my life, so I've had to go through quite a lengthy process to get to this point, which has required a lot of self investigations and very difficult answers to, mm-hmm. to, or sorry, very, very difficult questions to ask myself to, uh, to get to the grips well, of. When, so, when you look at what you've overcome, like in the things that you've, you know, like the things that maybe you were numbing with or whatever before and all of those things, like when you look at that work, that is the hardest work you'll ever do. I think like, and, and any man that's going through or woman that's going through things like any kind of like addiction or, or harming behavior, that's, it doesn't have to be extreme. You don't have to be doing like hookers and blow for it to right? But pornography to an extreme or, or drinking to an extreme or like, that is the hardest work you'll ever do. And if you do that work first, everything else will be easier. But if you're trying to manage getting out of debt while you're dealing with a porn addiction or a, you know, alcoholism or whatever, it is so much more like it's, it almost never works. So when you do that self-work first, it does make everything else really easier in the long run. And you have an incredible story. Like you're incredibly inspiring and, and just even in the humble way you lead and tell that story from a really like honest place of humility, I think is so, so healing for people. What is your, like, let's pretend I know nothing about money and I'm coming to you and I have a ton of debt and I'm like, tell me 
something I should know about money that I probably don't know? What was like your greatest money lesson? I had like a lot of anger, resentment, trauma uh, that I really had to get a grip of and, and find a level of peace within myself so I could have a more peaceful life on the outside. So internally was quite chaotic. So my spending was chaotic. My relationships were chaotic. My friendships were chaotic. My whole lifestyle was chaotic. You know, a lot of drinking in my 20s, a lot of messing around, porn addiction, chaos. So, and uh, yeah, understanding the, the detrimental impact of that. And at the end of the day, when you step away from all that, got no money, got no love, got no relationships. I don't even know if these people are my friends. What the heck am I doing here? So distance myself from that and ask myself some very difficult questions and going through that process of continually asking those questions and something else will come to my awareness, which takes me a step further in terms of self-improvement and peace. And ultimately, I, I said, yeah, freedom is 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 a priority, but if if you don't have peace, you don't have freedom. So inner peace is is the ultimate goal and then everything else sort of stems from that and yeah uh, not too sure if that answered your question but no it's beautiful answer that was wonderful maybe there was also a, a that i actually enjoyed in a weird way enjoyed the struggle of being in debt that this is something i became accustomed to and this is something that was maybe normal to me that uh, to to be struggling with money on a continual basis you know that's it's familiar to me or that's comfortable from to me and yeah. that, that's maybe why i did it as well that to have money would feel uncomfortable and would feel why yeah. I, I shouldn't have this money like you know so um yeah. so having that scarcity was actually familiar and it was comfortable in a, in a strange way yeah no you're i bet you any money you've just like people have pulled over or they've stopped lifting their weights while they're listening to this and they're, they're like oh my gosh because what you just said was brilliant and it's very very common mm. i'm not comfortable with wealth so i'm gonna um like i've got this fear of success and so therefore i'm gonna sabotage so that i don't have to know what that i'm scared of what that might feel like mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's it it's yeah, got to step into the discomfort. And again, it's not about discomfort in terms of have money. It's discomfort in terms of, okay, why can't you have money? Why are you stuck in this toxic place in your life? What's going on? So for me and for anyone listening, and, and I've, I've mentioned this several times, actually loads of times that, you know, your first step here is to cultivate some time and peace every single day where you can be alone, take your copy book or take a journal with you if you want to and document whatever you're thinking in that time on your own. Cause that's where you're going to find the answers. That's when you switch off the outside world, you turn on, you turn up the volume on the inside world. So you turn up the volume of those thoughts and what those thoughts thoughts are the feelings and emotions that are linked to the difficulties and the traumas and the problems and the relationships in your life or in the past. So 
that's where the answers come from. And I still do that every single morning. That's non-negotiable. I go and I, I drive to the lake, nobody there, peace, silence, no distractions and have my coffee. And I'm just writing whatever's in my head. I'm trying to still trying to figure things out on a regular basis. Things are good, but we've got to stay on top of it. Yeah, you got to get it outside so you can see it, so you can make sense of it. When it's inside, it just swirls around and around and around. That's so brilliant. Yeah, just get it out on the paper. And then now you know what you're working with. And what's really cool is in personal growth or any personal development, it's hard to see your progress. But when you have journals from two, three years ago, and you can pick them up and look, you can be like, wow, look how far I've come. And that is such a true indicator of the work that you put in. Yeah, that's something that, I haven't actually done for some strange reason. And that's something else to perhaps journal that I almost, maybe I don't want to fall into the trap of complacency or thinking, um, or even give myself some credit or praise. And that's again, something else to work on. Maybe why can you not give it some credit and praise? I'm still very hard myself. Can be still very hard myself, but it's something that my, some of the guys I work with, they journal on a regular basis and, a few of them reached out, you know, over, over a matter of months. And they said, man, I picked up a journal there from the, the first day I journaled or the first week I journaled. And it's, holy fuck, what was I thinking? Like, what was going on in my head compared to where I am today? I said, wow, like, well done. And like, I love, I love giving praise and credit and hearing people's amazing progress. But for me, it's maybe something to work on, but yeah, well, that's your purpose then, right? Like that's what you're, the thing that you didn't get or that you can't receive then can become your purpose, but you will have to like, you'll mm-hmm. have to work on it a little bit, right? You'll have to be yeah, like yeah. open to receiving a little bit. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely big improvements, but yeah, self-development and self-improvement is a lifelong journey. You know, there's so, yes. many, so many layers. You, you, that's the thing, like, and, and I've experienced this through my, through the people I work with, it's you, you get to one issue or get to one struggle and you overcome that and say, wow, that's amazing. Next thing you know, bang, something else is coming up that was maybe even linked to that struggle, that pain. Oh shit. Didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't even see that behind that problem. So <laughs> it's like this problem, that problem. So it just goes all the way back and yes. yeah, so that's kind of where it's at. And uh, the journey continues and uh, yeah. Is, is there like, before we wrap it up, is there, a nugget of wisdom or knowledge that you can offer the, the listeners today in terms of helping them get the hell out of debt? Well, I just want everybody to know that it's possible because it does feel at times like it is overwhelming. And I just want you to know if you're struggling at all, or you're like, you know, even if you're not in debt and you're just like, I'm just not getting ahead. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm spending too much or I'm, I'm barely putting any money away for my own freedom or whatever down the road. Like, it is possible. And it doesn't take a lot. It feels like a lot of work in the beginning, but once you're in it, it's just tiny, little, tiny bits every day. It's like a, the equivalent of a push up a day. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's easy to do, but it's easy not to do. And it's over time, the compounded like work that you're putting in today compounded over time will lead you to a life that you, it can just bring you so much joy. And sometimes people think, well, I don't want to be rich because maybe their money story is around rich people are evil, or maybe they've had bad, like, 
but we had a girl in the program years ago who was like, I don't actually want to be a millionaire or I don't want to be retired or I don't want to, I said, well, what do you love? And she's like, I just want to like rescue dogs. I'm like, but how much more money um, or how many more dogs could you free if you didn't have to work at this job? Like how, and she started to really relate it to a, a way she could serve other people. Right. And so no matter what it is, like what, no matter what that sort of dream is for you or what you believe you're put on this earth to do, we, we can't do it when we're committed debt wise to financial obligations for the rest of our life. You, you just will, you'll end up having to take jobs simply because of what they pay, or, you know, you'll stay in a home that's maybe not healthy because it's too expensive to leave. And so doing the little bit of work that it requires today will mean that eventually you have so much more choice. And if you want to have a million dollars in your bank account, just to simply give it away. Great. You can do that, but that's a much more fulfilling decision than how am I going to get enough for groceries this week? Right. It's just, it becomes, so I'm going to encourage you that you can do it. I'm going to encourage you if you feel any shame around your money situation or whatever that can be healed you, but it just starts with doing the work. Yeah. It starts with you. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And you do have your, obviously I will add the link to the book down below in the show notes and you do have a course as well. Yeah. You can just find it at get the hell out of debt.com and the book's available everywhere, bookstores, Amazon, all the places. If you could though, I am always a fan when you go to a small independent bookshop in your area and you order the book from that, please take a selfie of yourself in the cute little bookshop with the independent bookseller for me and send it to me. And then I'll send you both a treat because I just think supporting those small independent businesses right now is just an extra awesome thing you can do for your community. Nice one. That's an excellent incentive. Thank you. And is there anywhere else these people can find you? Everywhere. I'm erinskykelly.com. But here's what's so funny about our conversation is you actually have to, I know I sound like a, I have a really nice Irish name, but I'm part Lebanese. Um, so you have to spell Aaron Sky Kelly all together because there is a porn star named Aaron Sky. And people often like, are, did you do this to pay off your debt? I'm like, no, that's not me. She looks similar to me, which is frightening. Oh, you um, so you have to type in erinskykelly.com. Otherwise, I've just led you down the wrong rabbit hole on the internet. <laughs> okay, take notes. Yeah, okay. Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Erin. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You're just awesome. That You're just such a great conversationalist and a great host. Thank you. So- Thank you for all of that. Appreciate you.